guys, today I caught up with Alicia Keane, who's just started a brand new YouTube channel. She wanted to interview me to talk all things business, entrepreneurship, and to find out exactly what makes me tick. So without further ado, I'll let you get straight into the interview. Hi, welcome. Hi, are you all right? Good, thank you. So welcome to the channel. Thank nice you very to be here. much for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> so to begin with, um, all I want to ask you is thank you so much for kind of sending a bit of a brief through of about yourself, about what you've been doing. So the first thing I want to ask you is you moved to Marbella when you were only 15. Yeah. What made you move? So I basically, the th it, was, it was partly timing and it was something that I've always wanted to move somewhere else so where I lived is I, I lived in like quite a small town in Devon uh, one of them places where kind of everyone knows everyone um, everybody knows each other from the different schools and it was it was a really small area um, and I think everybody can relate to that and it was one of them things where I wanted to get away from it and I kind of wanted to meet new people experience something different and um, I actually ended up getting glandular fever when I was at school um, and I was off school for about two months maybe because I was really ill wasn't allowed to go in um and things like that so I was off school for a couple of months and um my grandparents they they basically came to me my mum and dad and and they said like listen we've we've um been offered like a, a flat over in Spain um and we're going to go over and spend the summer there and uh they kind of broke the news to us and I kind of went away from it and I thought hang on a minute like <laughs> maybe I could be involved in this. How can, how can I go with them? So um, I, I mentioned it to, to my grandparents and they said, like, what are you going on about? Like, you need to speak to your mum and dad. Like, we're not getting involved with this until your mum and dad have said that it's okay. So my my mum, my she's kind of like the mum that doesn't want you to go. She wants you to stay. But if it's the best thing for you, she'll agree to it. Whereas my dad needs to, like, he needs to see, like, the figures and, like, how much it's going to cost, like... All the, I think like all dads are and um, yeah. what, what I had to do is I had to go through um, me and my nan we went through all like the private schools like the, the English speaking schools and stuff in Spain um, sent off all the emails got all kind of like uh, the prices and stuff like that and then I basically had to pitch it to my dad and say like listen right this is how much it's going to cost I'm going to live with my grandparents they're going to pay for this I just need you to agree um, and he did and and best thing I've ever done to this day like moving there was probably the the best thing I've, I've ever ever done like the people you meet the things you saw and, and stuff like that it was it was unreal I mean 15 is quite a fairly young age to move out of home yeah. would you say that it forced you to grow up a lot quicker than what you perhaps would have done had you say 100% yeah because I, I since come since coming back especially I found that kind of I I felt a lot older than like other people my age and not necessarily well I, th I think a huge part of it was being able to have like a bit more of a social life when you're over there because when you're younger in Spain you can like 15 years old you can go to nightclubs you can go to bars you get served like no questions asked no problem and um, I think being able to do that and like when I first moved there and my, my, my friends were saying to me like oh let's go down to like the, the name of a bar and I had no clue what this place was I just assumed it was like a sports club or something um, and, and we'd go out and then end up kind of buying beers and stuff and I was like wow like I'm 15 years old getting served in a nightclub like 
and um, it was great. And, and that went on, obviously, until I turned 18. Um, and then it got boring. Like, as soon as I turned 18, I was like, now I'm allowed to do it. It's, it's not as fun anymore. And that's when other people my age were just kind of starting to go out. And I'd already done all that. I'd, I was already bored of all that sort of stuff. Um, so I was kind of ready to, I think, settle down is the wrong word, like for being someone young. But like I was, I was already set up to kind of put my head into like a career or starting a business or doing something like that when everybody else was more focused on going out and drinking and doing all those sort of things. So I think in that aspect, it, it made me grow up very quickly. Although like a lot of people frown upon like maybe like my grandparents let me go out when I was 15 and my friend's parents let them go out when they're young. I think it only did good for us. Like nothing bad ever happened. Like, and it, and it was, it was really good for us at the end of the day. And what would you say the main thing it taught you whilst you were out there, whilst you're away from home? Um, I know you mentioned you like, were talking to a lot of people out there and mm. made a lot more friends, but what, what did it teach you? Well, I, I went from, when I was at school in England, it was quite like a standard secondary school, like a, few, a couple of hundred people in each year, like just, just your average school in England. Um, and because I went to Spain and I didn't speak any Spanish, like I had no choice but to go to a private school. Um, and I think the people that I kind of met there, their like, families, their parents and stuff like that were all very like wealthy people. They had a lot of money and kind of, they had, yeah, everybody just kind of had this lifestyle that everybody dreams of. And I actually saw it in person when I was young. And I think that kind of gave me like a, a huge like drive and ambition because I was like, wow, like these people have got it. How, how do I get that? Like, what, what am I going to do to kind of make that my life? Um, and I think that that had a massive impact on me still to this day. I think about it every day because like when I was in England before I went, I probably never really would have started dreaming about those sort of things. I wouldn't have even thought about it. It wouldn't come into my head. Whereas now I've seen the people that live like that, I just, it kind of motivated me massively. Yeah, and you started a business while you were over there as well, didn't you? Yeah, so I've, I've had, obviously we spoke before this and I've had a fair, quite a few businesses and ideas, a lot of them not successful and some of them have been, have been really good. So when I was, I think I was about 16, maybe 17, I I was going out, like I said, like going out weekends and stuff like that. I had loads of friends, older, some were younger. Like my friend Callum was only 14 um, and we're going out to nightclubs and stuff like that. And when I look back on photos now, you can tell he looked about 12, 13. Like it was embarrassing that we were actually out. But at the time it was great fun. And um, obviously being that age and, and going out, we didn't have much money. Like I think my dad used to send me like £120 a month or something as like, money to keep me going and, and stuff like that so so, so he, he used to send me a little bit of money every month but it didn't go very far at all um so my idea was to set up this like business type thing it was more for like me and my mates to try and get free drinks than to make money from it <laughs> so we well what i did is i went to um a few of the bars like obviously i knew quite a few bar owners and stuff like that from from going out and i basically said to him i said like look i'll stand out on the streets and I said I'll get people into the bars like I'll speak to people I'll drag them in if I get like a, a free drink for every two people I bring in or, or something like that um, and then things kind of 
escalated. I got kind of my friends roped in, so like they they would do it. Um, and then like things, like I said, they kind of escalated and I started doing like flyers uh, and websites and I kind of got a little bit of a name for myself for doing like marketing and stuff like that, even though it wasn't me doing it. So the bars would come to me and they'd say, oh, we need a flyer done or we need a menu redesigned. So I'd say, yeah, I can do that. And then I would phone my mate who was in England, who was a graphic designer. And I'd say, how much are you going to charge for this? He'd say, it's going to cost 30 quid. So I'll go back to the bar and say, oh, it's 60 pound. So I was making up like, the 30 pound margin in the middle and then that that was my drinking fund for the for the weekend so that that's what I did and um although it wasn't necessarily unsuccessful it's it wasn't successful because we just used it for for drinking but I still I still get a lot of it today so we we kind of rebranded that business and um last year or the year before and it's it used to be called Magson Promotions which is my my surname and now it's called Be Big Promotions so it's it's got a little bit more of a professional look to it now. I don't really actively advertise it, but when people still come to me saying, can I have a website or can I have flyers done or something, at least it's like a bit more of a professional brand that they're talking to rather than just just me. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not necessarily a proper business, but it's something that I've got on the side that I've continued to do to this day. I suppose that keeps you busy in the meantime as well. And Exactly, yeah. So how did you find it when you came back to England? Good question that is. That, it, it was very difficult because I've seen this kind of, like I said, I've seen this lifestyle, I've seen friends with big yachts and million pound houses and then I came back to England kind of in a little four bed house with my mum, dad, my brother and my sister and just life wasn't really the same obviously what happened was is that my parents said to me when I was over there they said like look the sixth form or the college whatever it is over there was was really quite expensive and they said to me they said like look if you're going to put the work in and you're going to work hard like we'll we'll pay for it for you and I basically said to them I said I wouldn't want you to do that because I'm just going to piss your money away like <laughs> I hate school I hate education I hate all of that stuff like I said if you pay for me to go there I'm just going to mess about and, and waste your money so um, I did the, the right thing and came back to England and um, agreed to go to college. And uh, I did a, what did I do to start with? Oh, I did a um, sports course um, because I just thought, why not? It will be easy. I have to go to college because I, they just changed the law to say that you had to go till you're 18. Okay, yeah. So it was like the first year that that, that came in. Um, and yeah, I just did a sports course. I did it for about two, three months. And I was like, this ain't for me. So um, I, I managed to get transferred onto a business course. And I thought, I like this. Um, we'll, we'll, hang on, my camera was just flashing. <laughs> um, I said, I, 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 quite like, I quite like this this course, everything that involved in it. And that's where I found out that I really enjoyed the marketing. Obviously, I'd, I'd had this little business in Spain when I was there. So I thought, oh, like, I kind of know what I'm doing. Um, I've got a little bit of knowledge in it. So... It, it was really good. And then what happened was, is I was in the, in a marketing class with this teacher and she, she wasn't very old. She must've been late twenties, like early thirties. And I, I'll never forget that she gave us this, um, this like task to do. And it was a little bit like the, like what you see on the apprentice. And it was basically to set up your own business. Like but it was just like the, the business plan side of things. We didn't have to physically go and do it, but you, ha you had to do everything from 
um, like writing the business plans, sorting the logos out, doing all that sort of stuff. Anyway, this was right up my street. Absolutely kind of love this sort of, like this is what I, I love. And um, I absolutely smashed it out of the park with this project. So I, when I was younger, when I was living in Spain, I was obsessed with Wayne Lineker, if you know who that is. <laughs> yeah, I do. And I don't know why, I just always wanted to be Wayne Lineker. Like, I've <laughs> nightclubs and Ibiza, Marbella and all this sort of stuff. So what I did is I, I did this business plan to open up my own nightclub um, in Ibiza and Marbella. And I smashed it. Like everybody else did like a one page little business plan. Mine was like six pages long. I, um, I did like, um, like a template of where all the tables and chairs were going to be, um, what sort of people I want performing, like who was going to work behind the bar, why they're going to work there, what staff I want, literally everything. So I put all this together and, and we presented it in the class. And um, this teacher, for some reason, she just really didn't like me. And she, she was quite like patronizing in the way she was judging me. She was like, well, that wouldn't work. Like, she was putting me down when she wasn't doing it to anyone else. Yeah. So I said to her, I said, like, how old are you? And obviously she wouldn't, she wouldn't tell me. And I said, so if you're a teacher at this college, I said, you've, you've been to university for the last few years. Um, I said, have you, ever, have you ever had your own business? Like, do you, know, do you know what it's like to have a business? And she was like, yes. Like, while we were going for university, me and my friend had a yoga class. And I said to her, I said, with respect, like, it's not really a business. Like, it why are you telling me that what my business is isn't going to work when you've never run one yourself? Like she, she, she was just like, I don't know. It still winds me up to this day, even to think about it, but she was one of them teachers that really put me down. And I've always had this problem with teachers. Like I just never seem to really get on with them. Do you think that um, came from having your own business from such an early age that all of a sudden when you were being told how to do it, it was like, hang on, actually, Exactly. It was almost like, even though I was like 16 years old, I felt like I had more experience than she did. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I had more kind of authority to say whether it was going to work or not than she did. But it was the typical scenario, whereas when you're at school in education, the older person has to always be right. The teacher has to be right just because she's a teacher. And it's not always the case because I found quite often the teachers weren't always right. So when I, before I went to Spain, it's just, the, just another little story about why, why this doesn't work is before I went to Spain, I was that typical kid that used to sell like cans of Coke and, and all these sort of things at school. And me, me and one of my best friends, he was, he was the naughty kid. Um, and I used to just kind of get dragged along in his, his shadow. So if he got in trouble for something, I'd get in trouble for it. So anyway, we, we both started selling stuff at school. So I was selling cans of Coke, but I went out of my way to make sure that the cans I was selling didn't say um, not to be sold separately. You know, you know, the cans yeah. say like, so I, I bought them from Poundlands, like single, single cans so that they didn't say that. So I was like, if I get caught at school, they can't tell me off for it because I haven't done anything wrong. And uh, my friend Connor, like I said, he was the naughty one. He used to go to the corner shop and he used to just rob like steal um packs of like crunchies and stuff like that and people always used to say to to me and him i think three people have said it to me from different places they always either said like you two like if you stay friends forever you're either both going to end up in prison or you're both going to end up millionaires <laughs> and it, funnily enough i think he's actually in prison at the minute i haven't <laughs> i haven't spoke to him in a long time um but the we actually got caught selling selling these these cans and stuff like that and they took, I think it was like 24 cans of Coke off me or something like that. 
and um i went home and told my dad and i was like look they've taken these off me i haven't done anything wrong because they don't say this on the can bloody bloody blah and um he comes storming into the school with me and he was like give him his cans back like you've got no right to take him off him and he he fully had I don't see what you've done wrong. Like you, you're making a bit of money at school. Like you haven't done anything. And that kind of taught me back then that my dad, me, me and him didn't always see eye to eye, but if I was actually in the right, he'd stick up for me. And if I was in the wrong, he would, he would bollock me for it. Like he'd make sure I knew about it. Um, but that, that was just another case of when like teachers thought they were right just because they're teachers and, and we were young students. So we had to be in the wrong apparently. So after that, you then went on to start, is it the Caviar Club? Yeah, so when, when I was at college and we, we kind of had this argument with the business teacher, um, it, it got really bad and quite heated. So I ended up leaving that course and my mum and dad were not happy about it. Like, obviously, so yeah, he said to me, they said, what are you going to do? And I said, I want to earn money. Like, I don't want to go back to college and just waste my time. There's nothing I care enough about. Mm -hmm. to go and spend time at college so um i ended up getting an, uh, an apprenticeship in a state agency and funnily enough the only reason i applied for it is because i always liked the idea of wearing a suit just used to love wearing suits so i thought what job would i have to wear a suit applied for a state agency and, and i got it and um yeah I, I really enjoyed working there did that for about a year um and then i got hired as a sales and marketing um like manager for a hot tub and swimming pool company. So I was selling swimming pools and hot tubs and stuff like that. And during my time there, I, I was hired by a bloke called Chris and he was a business partner um, in this company. And me and him used to just sit in the office, like during the winter when nobody wants to buy a hot tub or a swimming pool, you know, during the winter, we used to just sit in the office, just chatting away about business ideas and all these different things. And I, I said to him, like, I said, I think you forget like you're my boss sometimes because he's always trying to push me to, he was like, Oh, you could go and do this. You could go and do that. Like always giving me these ideas to leave the business. And I was like, I don't want to do it because I enjoyed working with him. And uh, he ended up selling his half of the company and, and leaving. So it kind of left me there with the other owner that I didn't get on with so much. And that kind of, it was, it was another situation where I was kind of like pushed out the door a bit and forced into doing something um so i started caviar club which was i'll explain what it is in a second but i was doing that while i was still working for this hot tub company because like i said during the winter nobody was buying a hot tub so i could just kind of sit on the computer and start building my business while i was there getting paid for it and um yeah so caviar club came about and it was i i saw like a lot of people were starting their own brands like clothing brands and all these sort of things. And I thought if I, if I do that, I'm just going to drown. Like this was the same sort of time that Gymshark and, and people were like that were just, just starting. Um, and do you know, Hera, Hera London? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they were just starting around this sort of time. And I, I think I followed on Instagram when they had like 2000 followers or something like that. And I was, I was watching and I, I saw they were getting like gas from Geordie Shaw to promote it and stuff like that. And I thought, I don't really have the budget to get those sort of celebrities to be promoting my, my product. So what I did is I thought, what if I build a marketplace where people can come and, and buy those clothes, that clothing all in one place. But then I found another website that already did that. So I was like, well, what if I did like exclusive like members only 
um, clothing. So like proper designer clothing, but you had to be a member of Caviar Club to be able to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would kind of source like high end, like limited edition clothing and stuff like that. Anyway, so I, I, I jumped, jumped in with two feet like I always do, started building the website, got the logo, absolutely smashed it. And then, then I got to, I, I did it in the wrong order. So I then found out how hard it was to actually source these clothes, these clothes. And I, it was just impossible. Like I had the idea, but I couldn't do it. Like these big companies like Louis Vuitton and stuff, they just didn't want to sell to me. So I, I kind of had to adapt it a little bit. And in the end, I did end up starting my own clothing brand because I thought, well, I've got the website, I've got everything I need, like I've spent all the money, I might as well try and do something something with it. And um, that's what I did. So I created Caviar Club, the clothing brand. And I did that for a little while, but I sold it. So it didn't, it didn't fail. I sold it for 800 pounds. Okay, that's <laughs> all right, that's good. Yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't a complete flop, but I definitely wouldn't call it a success. But it, it, was, it was a stepping stone to kind of the other businesses that came on top of that. So while I was, while I was doing that, I, I stumbled across Power Grip Sport, which was my next company, which, which really is, is the best, biggest company that I've, I've had that I, I'm proud to have to my name, really. Is, um, what happened was is my granddad owns a golf store Okay. Um, like an online golf store sells a lot of stuff through eBay and stuff like that. And he has this um, like hand solution that you put on your hands for golfers and it, it stops their hands sweating when they're, when they're playing golf. Anyway, what, what he found was a lot of pole dancers were buying it because as well as stopping your hand sliding when you play golf, it stops your hand sliding when pole yeah. dancing. So um, what we did is, is together we ended up getting this product and marketing it towards pole dancers so we had all kind of like labels drawn up for it and all these sort of things and that's where power grips bought started and then we we started selling tons of these bottles like this this grip stuff went went mad like people were like doing reviews on it it was going mad on instagram it was really it was really good and then obviously we just expanded into other things like we did gloves for pole dancing like loads of pole dance accessories okay um and it, it was really good. I went back into doing a little bit of golf stuff because he had suppliers that, that kind of did golf stuff cheap. So it was easy for me to get my hands on. Um, I think one of my biggest regrets with it is that it wasn't something that I loved. Like I know you, when you speak to a lot of business people and stuff, their like words of advice would be do something you love. Now, before I started Power Grip, I was like, that's just a load of crap. I love, I love business so I could run any business. And then when I was doing power grip, I was, I did that full time for like three years. And then I started to find that I was just losing motivation for it because I didn't care about golf. I don't care about pole dancing. Like I've never, I've never done either of them in my life. And I'm going to be like this professional that knows everything about it. Um, and I think that's when I started losing a bit of motivation for it. And, and I started coming up with other ideas while I had that. So I, I had all sorts of things. Like I had a platform set up for influencers. So it was almost like Amazon, but for influencers. So like companies could go on there and buy an influencer. So like it was, it was so easy to get people to promote products and things like that. Um, I had a wholesale website. Uh, I started setting up an estate agency. Um, tons and tons of things because I was just trying to find 
something that I was passionate about. And then I had a, a couple of friends of mine come along um, with the barbershop idea. Um, and I know I spoke to you about it already. The, the barbershop was pitched to me and they, it was these two lads that, and they, they, they wanted to open up their own barbershop, but they didn't know how to do it. They didn't know any of the business side. They just knew how to cut hair and that's all they wanted to do. They didn't care about the business side of it. So like I said to you before, like I, I got like this reputation for being the guy that can do that sort of stuff. So they, they said, they told me all about it. They told me their ideas and I, I kind of went away with it and I said like, all right, well, I've been doing power grip. I've been locked in this office for four years, like by myself, just working on my own. I want to do something that's like a social business. I want to get out there and, and interact with people. And, um, I was well up for this barbershop idea because I thought, what could you get that's more social than a barbershop? So my idea was, is that I would open this shop. I'd get all the signage done. I'd kick the shop out. I'd make it look mint and they would just hire it off me. So, they could still run it exactly how they wanted, but they didn't have to put any money in, basically. But I was excited for it. Say that again. So it was going to be yours in theory. Yeah, exactly. So I, I could call it my barbershop. It would have my name above the door, if you like. But it, in fact, it actually did have my name above the door. Um, but they, they could manage it exactly how they wanted. So it, it was a win-win for everybody, really. And then I, I bought the shop. I kitted it out, put all the signage up made it look wicked like I, I i loved that little shop it was only small but i, I thought it looked class for a, for a barbershop and um both of them unfortunately the timing was horrendous and both of them had quite big personal problems going on um and they both come to me at the same time and they said look like we can't do this anymore um uh, like this has happened and that's happened so like we're we're just gonna have to leave it would you say that was quite a big learning curve for you in the aspect of you've put all this money in and then all of a sudden people just 100% I I you see all the time that everybody's always like um in business like you've got to take risks to get the rewards and stuff like that however this was just stupid like I, the reason I don't know why I didn't get them to sign the contract I don't know why I didn't put these things in place I should have just got them to sign contracts and it was a huge huge learning curve um and I'm one of them people that once I'm, once I'm in, I'm like all in. So as soon as they put the idea in my head, I think within about six weeks, I bought the shop, had it all kitted out. The signs were up and it was open like yeah. straight away. So I, maybe I went too fast for them and it scared them a bit. I, I don't know. But um, because I was all in, I didn't want to close this shop. Like, I didn't want to have my name above the door on something that's been open for, for a few weeks and then it closes again straight away. So in a in a desperate attempt to save it i um i went up to manchester for for a week so i did it wasn't even a week it was five days i did an intensive barbering course um trying to learn how to cut hair bear in mind it takes people years to learn how to do it and um i did it i told the the trainer that i was um that was coaching me that i i had my own barber shop i'm going once i finish this course i'm going back and i'm working in it by myself and he absolutely pissed himself at me he was <laughs> like you can't he said you can't do it but i did it i i i did it i went i did this course i went back i opened the doors got customers in but it was one of them things where like 
I was on, I wasn't in a town centre, but I was on quite a busy street. So a lot of people were walking past. And every single person that walked past my window, as much as I wanted them to come in so I can take money off them and pay my bills, I was like, please don't come in because I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> and like, I was always dreading someone with Afro hair come in because I, I had no clue what I would do if they sat in my seat because I was like, do I use the same clippers? Like, how do I do it? Yeah. Um, but I just kind of blagged it. Like people that came in never knew that I, I'd never done barbering before. And funnily enough, I actually had returning customers. So I couldn't have done too badly. <laughs> bad. I, th I think it was like the mad anxiety that I had. Like every time someone came through the door, like I'm up for giving anything a go and I did it, but I was terrified everybody, every time someone came in. And um, so that, that shop, I had to, I had to get rid of it. But so luckily another barber, someone that used to have a barber shop close by who closed theirs down and um, bought mine off me. So it's, it's still going today. So it's, it's still there, but I'm not involved with it. Thank God. <laughs> Would you say that being involved in the barbershop, I mean, like quite a customer front facing, would you say that taught you more people skills? Um, yes and no, because I've, I've always been quite a, a people person from, from, like I said, when I was doing a state agency, I think that was a massive, like people person thing. You had to be a people person because you can't sell someone a house. Like if, if someone doesn't like a house, you're not going to sell it to them, but you can try and sell them yourself. So if you, if you came to look at houses with me and you hated the house, you're not going to buy it. But if you really liked me and I sold you me, you might come back to me and say like, Jay, like this is what we want. Can you find me this house? And then I'll find you the house and I get paid commission for it. So as you, you kind of had to be a people person. You had to sell yourself more than trying to sell the house. Um, and with the barbershop, it was great talking to people, but at the same time, it was probably the place where I was least confident because I had no clue what I was doing. I'm, I've got scissors next to people's ears and I have no clue what I'm doing. So <laughs> I think the whole time I was overthinking everything and my conversation was rubbish and I was sweating while I'm cutting hair and all sorts. So oh, best yes and no, really. <laughs> now you've had... So that's quite a few businesses before the time you're yeah. sort of 20. Yeah. You say that other people like looking into that, see it as a weakness or a success. In all honesty, I think everybody sees it as a weakness. Um, but my way of looking at it is, is I try and explain this to people all the time. And some people get it and some people don't, but a lot of people from the age of what, I don't even know what age they go, but what, 16, 17, they go to university, 18, they go to university and they spend thousands of pounds on doing a course and they leave and they've got no real life experience. They've got to go and get a job, but they've got no real life experience. Whereas I've probably spent less money than them. I mean, I've spent a lot of money on wasted businesses. Like I've wasted a lot of money, but I feel like I've not only learned more than what I would have if I went to university to do a business course, but I've had that real life experience. I've dealt with real life problems. Like if I went to university and did a, a business course, I'm, I'm not going to learn from the mistakes that I've, I've made. Yeah. And so I think like, although other people see it as a weakness, I think it's my biggest strength because I've made so many mistakes and messed up so many times that 
that's that's what's built me and now i have another business now that like i i feel indestructible like i feel like nobody can can touch me because i've i've messed up so many other businesses and i've learned from it uh that now i kind of feel like i can achieve anything like i can get over anything um and nothing can really stop me but it's one of the things like i i've like, I, I i know we were speaking before this and i've made another instagram today because kind of want to take people I want to interact less with people that know me because mm. they're the ones that have seen all the businesses come and go like I said at the beginning some some fail some have been successes but they're the people that are like oh it's just another idea and the thing that puts it in my head every time is you know when you you make a Facebook page and you can invite your friends to like it I feel like my friends list on Facebook must hate me because every week <laughs> I've got a new page I'm trying to promote or something like that. And I think that's where they're like, bloody hell, here he goes again. Like, here's another idea. So, yeah, to answer your question, I think it is a weakness, but it, to me, it, it's my biggest strength. In terms of what you just mentioned about um, the people who know you are here, here we go again. Would you say that trying to be successful and doing what you're doing, you've lost any friends along the way? or people have kind of looked down at you what's your views on that um yes like I, I think everybody everybody's always surprised at who it is as well like i've got some friends now that i'm really close with well i was really close with like when i when i was at spe in school in spain there was only five people in my whole year group um so everybody knew everyone everything everybody knew like we were all really close um, and some of them are the people that kind of, I thought were the biggest people in my lives, like at the time. And as soon as I started kind of going into like the business sort of stuff, they're the, they're the first ones that not necessarily them five people before they think I'm targeting <laughs> them, but they're the first ones that unfollowed me and, and don't support it. Um, whereas like there's other people that you didn't really know too well, like when you're at school or people that you've only met once or twice. And yet I get messages from people like that, that are like, like, I love what you're doing with that business. Like, that's a great idea. Like if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. They're the first one to share my page on Facebook or invite their friends. Like, you know I, mean? I get support from people that I don't know that well. And I feel like it's the closest people to you that I don't know. I don't know really. Like maybe, maybe it's because they don't feel like I expect them to do it because we're so close. I, I, I don't know what the reason is, but if, if that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. Now, you've just recently started Esteem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Esteem is, it's almost going to be a combination of everything I've done in the past all put together. And it's, it's something that I want. So there, there's two sides of Esteem. There's, there's the bit that I just want to put out to the world and there's a bit that I want to be part of. And there's the other bit that's the business that I need to make money from. So we've got the business side, which is a training company. So that, that's what Esteem is. So we do training in, in all sorts of things. So whether that's um, window tinting, beauty therapy, um, barbering. <laughs> I'm not teaching it, don't worry. You sure? Um, like electrical engineering, anything like that. So that's, that's what Esteem is. We, we're partnering with loads of other training companies as well. So we're trying to offer as many training courses as, as we can. Um, but we're only 
kind of working with companies that we think are like the best of the best, if that makes sense. So when I did my barbering course, the company I did it through were awful. I came away from that course learning more about how not to run a training center than how to do barbering. So I, I've kind of put this together as something I know exactly what I do want and I know what would work well. So that was the business side of esteem. But then we've got the the other part of it that I just want to put out to the world, which is the um, like events we're going to be doing. So this year is pretty much a write-off. So it's going to be from, from next year now. But um, I want to work with like universities and stuff like this. Um, we've got, basically, we've got locations all over the UK that we're going to be partnering with um, a well-known company. So we can use their facilities. And what we're going to do is we're going to have... Um, like motivational speakers, like influential people, all these sort of things, people that are, that have done well in, in their industry. So take um, barbering, for example, because we've been talking about that, like the, the, the top 10 barbers in the UK or from abroad, wherever they've come from. And we'll just kind of hold a conference of them talking about their stories, like what struggles they've had, why they are where they are today. Um, a little bit like your, your interviews that you're doing, but on a, on a stage basically. So, I, I'm not aiming to really make much money from that, but it's something that I've always wanted to be involved with. I mean, I've, I've gone to watch like a lot of um, talks and speeches and conferences and stuff like that. And I, I just love it. And I love hearing people's stories and it's great watching an interview and it's great listening to podcasts and things like that, but there's nothing quite like being there yeah. and, and seeing that person and maybe having the one-on-one time. So obviously maybe paying to have photos and all that sort of thing. So there, there is a money opportunity there, but that's not really why I'm doing it. And then the the other side of that is that we're running like a mentorship program. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, if there was a hairdresser who just finished college, she's working in a beauty salon now, but she really wants to open up her own beauty salon. She can kind of come to us and we can partner her with somebody that owns a salon who can kind of point her in the right direction um and kind of give her tips and learn from their mistakes so if someone came to me now and said like how do i run a pole dancing business i could i could tell them everything not to do and what to do so it's it's kind of partnering people like that together um to try and just help everybody grow and succeed really so that's that's what esteem is in a nutshell do you ever get scared that you're perhaps taking on that little bit too much and maybe you should take it back or I'm just trying to get like what your exact thoughts are on it. Cause I know some people, if you put it in front of them and said, I'm doing this, 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 and this, they'll go, whoa. Whereas mm. other people quite like to have lots to do. So how do you see it? I, like I said earlier on in this interview, when I do something, I like to jump in with two feet and I, I have to keep excited about it. And that's the one thing I learned from having, when I had power grip before I sold that, um, is that, I was doing just the pole dance and stuff and I was, I was bored. Like I had to get the golf stuff. And then we went into like making football kits. We went into boxing. Like we do all this other stuff because I just got bored. And as much as it's because I didn't have a passion, it's because I was just chasing something. And, and like I said, at the same time, I was trying to start estate agencies. I was trying to start these websites and all these sort of things. Whereas with esteem, like that's why I'm so excited about it now because there's so many different elements to it. I don't have a need to go and find something else and to go and do another business. Like I'm going to be doing obviously like the podcasts and stuff like that, that I, I spoke about. But apart from that, 
I'm not doing anything else. And even that follow that kind of falls under the same umbrella because it's, it's like the mentorship and like in, inspiring people and stuff like that. So it, it's one of them things like I've, I've learned to cut back and not take on too much. I mean, my head is, is constantly going with ideas. Like I'm like a little business machine and I, I, put, I reckon I have between five and 10 new business ideas every day because I think, you know what the world's missing? We need that. We need that. And uh, one of our best mates, Lewis, he's a little bit like me, but he's more, he wants the business more than has the ideas. Yeah. So every day, like if you could see our, our chats, like on Facebook and that, every day I'm just sending him through ideas. I'm like, you should do this. You should do that. This is a good idea. That. So one day he's just going to pick one. He's going to be like, that's great. Like, and he's going to do it. Um, but yeah, that's, I'm, I'm learning to palm stuff off onto other people and give ideas away. And that's, that's partly why I want to do like the podcast and stuff like that, speaking to other people, because when I get an idea, I can bring it up and maybe someone that listens can go and do that idea. Yeah. And then they can come back to me in years to come when they've made a million pounds and say, Oh, thank you. That was a great idea. Like that would mean the world to me, but I want to focus on esteem and I don't want to get sidetracked because I think if you spread yourself too thin, it, it, it doesn't work very well. Um, and that's why it's exciting. So yeah. I think um, I, I love taking on a lot of stuff, but don't get me wrong. We all have lazy days. Like we all have days where we just yeah. can't be asked, but um, yeah, I enjoy it anyway, right. especially with lockdown. Like if I didn't have all this going on, I think I'd have lost my, lost my mind. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, that sounds absolutely fantastic. I wish you all the best of luck with the speed. Thank you very much. We'll have to keep us updated and definitely will how it's going. And thank you for agreeing to come on. That's right. It's been great. Hopefully I didn't talk too much. I, I feel like I'm getting a sweat on because of how much I've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Um, that's really interesting, actually. So. That's right. Thank oh. you so much for having me. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the episode. It was just a little interview so you guys can get to know me. Um, big thanks to Alicia Keane. Her um, YouTube channel is live now. I don't think the interview's up there yet, but it will be soon. Um, so go and check her out. But I've got so much planned for this podcast. There's going to be a lot of interviews coming. Um, athletes, professional footballers, business inspirations, you name it, we're going to get them on the on the podcast. So thank you again, guys, and take care.